Hi, Direct Impact Nation. This is Andrea Epstein. It's official. Season two is coming to you May 1st. We are so excited to announce and we've already got a great lineup waiting for you. So see you then. Welcome to Direct Impact, where we discuss the various ways our mental health and quality of life intersect. I'm your host, Andrea Epstein, licensed professional counselor, master's addictions counselor, and certified sex therapist. Think of our time together as focused self-reflection mixed with insight, passion, and empowerment. Now, take a deep breath. Now let's dive in and see what impacts you today. Hey, and welcome back for another episode of Direct Impact with Andrea Epstein. We are here with Emily Polonis today, and we are talking about the mind-body connection, mindfulness, meditation, and all things body, (laughs) and getting to know our body and also how they connect to the mind and our emotions. So welcome today. Thanks for having me. Yay. So tell me a little bit. Emily, about what got you into the field of mind and body and yoga and meditation and all these things? Sure. Well, I I grew up with a massage therapist mother, so that sort of helped, you know, broaden my awareness to being connected to my body at a young age. However, (laughs) when I went into work after college i worked for engineer the engineering industry making maps i was a geographic information systems analyst which was quite tedious and technical so i spent a lot of time in my head sitting at a desk i could get out and do field work a little bit but it ultimately left me pretty stressed out and exhausted at the end of the day because i really wasn't using my body so much and I started feeling sick a lot and not taking very good care of myself. I would turn to, you know, drinking and smoking cigarettes after work for stress release, Mm -hmm. which, you know, um, short term kind of felt good in the moment. And then long term, I started to feel like crap (laughs) more and more. And I would have, you know, multiple sinus infections a year, just knew that my body really was designed to feel good and I wasn't feeling good. And so I wasn't connecting the dots for a long time until I started going to yoga regularly and really feeling into my body and processing a lot of things, sweating a lot. It was hot yoga that I started with. Uh And through that process, I think I just moved a lot of things in the body. My body started kind of erupting and I had this one point where I was just sick on all accounts. Like I had, my skin was breaking out. I had GI issues, sinus infection, like a lot of other things going on that I intuitively knew that one doctor wasn't going to be able to really fix. I knew I'd just go get prescribed an antibiotic and get sent home. And that would kind of exacerbate the other issues, maybe cause additional symptoms. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and intuitively, I just knew that I was supposed to go to acupuncture. And I found an acupuncturist and started going to her and we started addressing the issues one at a time. And, you know, Chinese medicine looks at the whole person 
And I really started to understand that the problem was kind of me <laughs> and like some of the things I was consuming and mm-hmm. like my diet, the smoking and the drinking, which was really numbing out how I was feeling, mm. like unresolved grief from my father's death, like a lot of things that I just wasn't facing and just stuffing away that was erupting in my body and through acupuncture started to rebalance. And that's when I just became really fascinated with the whole mind-body connection. Right. And I'm actually fascinated with your built-in resilience because what you said was I just intuitively knew that acupuncture was going to, or this philosophy or this approach or Eastern medicine, I intuitively knew that this would be a better approach to my healing. Can you tell me a little bit more about this intuition you have? Because a lot of my clients don't necessarily, you know, have that intuition. Well, I believe firmly that we all have intuition Mm -hmm. and the ability Mm -hmm. to connect to it, Mm -hmm. but it's buried deep uh, underneath many layers of armoring in the body because when we go through any kinds of trauma and what I'm understanding about trauma too is like it says it's not measured in severity it's measured by surprise so it could be something like you got dropped off at summer camp and your parents left you and that Mm -hmm. trauma can live with you from age seven on right absolutely so that physically armors in the body and as a massage therapist I've learned too how and using used to make maps as well, the body maps emotions very similarly in all people. Even if we have mixed bags of experiences, having a, a betrayal or a broken heart will start to kind of guard our heart. Our, our shoulders may turn mm-hmm. in and these muscles tighten and then we can't really connect to the information that our body, the wisdom in our body and our heart and our gut wants to communicate to our brain. So we get all cut off from that wisdom, which Uh is where our real wisdom resides and our head can't get the message. So we start trying to live from the head and the mind and then we get spun out in the downward drain spiral. Circle in the drain in your head. Like we're living disconnected from the fullness of our intuition, which really lives in our whole body. And that intuition was something that you were already connected to. And part of what we do in psychotherapy is to give people the roadmap and to help them map out ways to understand and gain insight into their own gut, their own intuition, their own feelings and their emotions and figure out, you called it armor, but what the barriers are to their own strength and self-healing. I like how you also, you know, I, I know we're not being recorded right now, but she's really kind of like going up, scanning up and down like the chakra points <laughs> of her body. And that is something that we do in psychotherapy as well on a cognitive, emotional, mental level is to help people understand their head brain, their heart brain, their gut brain, and their genital brain, and how to make all of those coincide and work in tandem with each other. And so, you know, Emily just did a great job of describing why we really believe in a holistic approach. If an individual can find a really good psychotherapist that can help them in conjunction with massage therapy and yoga. And I mean, that's what we're looking for is a holistic approach to someone's healing. Yeah, I feel like 
that combining the two is so powerful. When I really got into yoga and learning how to breathe and feel in the body that and really fully inhabit my body, that's when I started to to recognize and get more in touch with that intuition. Mm. I had my acupuncturist right do a write up after working with her for a number of years. I said, "Can you describe kind of the journey that you've seen me through from the beginning to now?" And she said, "When I came into her, it was like there was I always had a, a guidance like leading me. She could mm-hmm. she could tell I was in touch with my intuition, but she said it was like cloudy, very cloudy." Mm-hmm. And the, through the work that we did and, and clearing that we did over the years, it was like this clear, you know, this clarity and opening up to the light is what she described it as. Yeah. And I love how pre-show, before we hit the record button, you were talking about the Buddhist philosophies and you used the analogy of the, the weather. I, I just would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, watching the weather pass. Yeah, I feel like. I used to want to be a meteorologist too, so that's funny. It's funny. <laughs> I've studied geography, and so I really do look at our body, mind, spirit as a network and a map. Mm-hmm. But then the mind, I learned through sitting in a silent meditation retreat in the hills of northern Thailand back in 2014, that the mind is a clear blue sky, and the the emotions and thoughts and feelings are really like weather and clouds always they always pass the weather is always changing mm-hmm. sometimes we get caught in like a front or a stationary front that feels like it's never going to go away but through sitting with the breath and breathing in and breathing out focusing on the present moment that's really what mindfulness meditation is is focusing on what is just ob- observing without the need to attach other struggle to it or mm-hmm. judgment to it but just make space for what is to arise and then deepen that awareness. So through four days of sitting in silence and just focusing on the breath, I really started to see the fluctuations of my mind really clearly and how being connected in body and breath and stillness and silence, I could see them start to pass like clouds. And so that practice and that those four days were so impactful I, I turn back to that all the time. And in my yoga classes, I'm always teaching, breathing in, I know I'm breathing in, breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. That was the tool they had us reconnecting to in the silent retreat if we found our mind wandering, because that's minds wander, that's what they mm-hmm. do. But the practice is coming back to center again mm-hmm. and again, and that is that connection to the breath, which is the anchor to the present moment and also the the bridge between the body and the mind. Mm, I love that. And again, so many things that you just said resonate with me as a psychotherapist and mindfulness in particular, you know, watching the clouds go by, noticing them, not being judgmental about them, but just noticing and sometimes asking, "Hmm, what is this cloud trying to tell me or teach me? But just notice it non-judgmentally, letting it pass. That's something that we do in part of dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. Mindfulness is a part of that. And being non-judgmental with your thoughts is, 
you know, a big important thing and just noticing that, oh my gosh, my brain secretes thoughts like, you know, my glands secrete oils or yeah. whatever, but understanding that these thoughts are going to come up. And when you just notice them non-judgmentally, see if there's something it's trying to communicate. If not, let it pass. Yeah, I'm a really big advocate of teaching self-kindness and watching how we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it, that can be a really slippery slope. And it can seem really harmless just to like in passing to do something you didn't mean to do or forget something or you're late and say, I am oh, I'm so stupid or oh, I'm always late. Really learned how our the mind listens to what we tell it mm -hmm. and wants to look for support supporting evidence all around to make us right mm -hmm. so if we mm -hmm. say i am always late i am broke i am so stupid like you're gonna find evidence around to support that and then that kind of gets you caught in that downward spiral, spiral. Uh -huh. yeah. kind of that where the word self-fulfilling prophecy comes yeah. from mm -hmm. totally yeah i'm fascinated with how how that that I am is really the most powerful statement in the English mm -hmm. language because whatever we place after that will start to you start to look for that start to look for it and really starts to if we're unconscious of that like how did this happen it's like what we we kind of spoke it into existence without even realizing mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. the situation is and when I hear my clients speak that I just we notice it and I say, is that true? You right. Know, we also talk about how feelings aren't necessarily facts. So at least acknowledge them. Um, there might be a reason there's a feeling <laughs> behind that, but that's not necessarily true that I'm always late. Let's yeah. analyze that. Yeah. You know, I know that sometimes we can be late and there's probably a reason behind that. And if we really take a look at it, you know, you can start to change some habits and make some improvements there, but it starts with speaking truth, right? <laughs> and it's all habits mm -hmm. it's all like mm -hmm. in our thoughts or what do we think like 80,000 thoughts in a day or something like that and um, 60 to 80,000 I think women are on the higher end that's men, probably true but um, which is not necessarily better <laughs> no but um, so 80% of those thoughts are thoughts we thought the day before so mm -hmm. and most of those are usually negative because we have this negativity bias in our society, which I really believe is to help us stay protected, mm -hmm. but it's also not life-giving. No, it's not. It's like, you're not enough is mm -hmm. basically the message that's driven mm -hmm. into us from all, mm -hmm. all angles. And that's just simply not true. Like you are enough just by being here mm -hmm. and that worthiness piece has been a big part of my journey too, like coming back to how sneaky the pockets of unworthiness can show up in our cell tissue and kind of sabotage us in, in life. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people are victims of self-sabotage. Yeah, you know, when something, we you were talking about the feelings and emotions and I read a book uh, through my yoga training years ago, Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert. And that really changed everything for me, understanding like that emotions are just chemical molecules in my mm -hmm. brain and that 
pumps through my whole body. Mm, mm -hmm. And then I started working with the essential oils, which are chemical molecules from plants and started to understand and use them as a, an anchor for my mindfulness practice. So you can open up the bottle and breathe in that aroma of the plant. And that molecule travels through your olfactory nerve, sends a, a message to the limbic system, activates or interacts with the amygdala mm. to really kind of override the emotions at at the emotional control center. Yes. So also, you know, you mentioned it, how the emotions can trigger or play into um, the central nervous system. There is such a connection between how our central nervous system responds in accordance with emotions and thoughts and memories and emotions and traumas that haven't been dealt with yet. So if nothing else, my huge takeaway, and I hope for our listeners, the huge takeaway is the connection between the mind and the body and the soul and our spirit, and also a holistic approach to health and healing. There are lots of ways to go about approaching that, but when you combine them, I mean, there really is so much research supporting that. There's so much research supporting different holistic treatments in combination with psychotherapy and even sometimes psychotropic medication in addition to um, sure. when necessary. So I, I hope people give themselves grace and are able to listen to this podcast with an open mind, understanding that, hmm, there's lots of different things that I can implement that work for me. There's so many tools out there mm -hmm. and... I think that's a good point. You said you can, like, it's not all or nothing, mm -hmm. like all natural using the psychotropic medications with natural approaches can be super effective. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I, I really feel the importance is, lies in empowering yourself with the knowledge, tools, have find good teachers and counselors, a support team, really. If someone asked me, what's the one thing that's helped me the most in my own healing journey, I couldn't answer just one thing mm -hmm. because I've combined a lot of different tools that have worked synergistically for me. And it is a matter of trial and error to get to know yourself. And that's how you deepen your intuition. You, tr you try something and see how you respond. And if it doesn't if you don't respond well, try something else. Mm -hmm. And knowing yourself, it's all, it's part of, knowing yourself, giving yourself grace and going down that, that journey, knowing there are so many different things available to you, but it is your journey. And so utilizing the things that work best for you. Some of that, of course, is trial and error, but being open-minded. I implement several holistic things in my life. As you know, I yeah. massage therapy, acupuncture, Reiki, chiropractic care, lots of different things that I just feel like keep me in an abundance mindset. You know, it, for me, it really is recognizing that mindset and trying to stay connected to the healthiest version of myself. That's so important. Yeah, I feel like meditation is so simple, mm -hmm. but can be something that people don't really understand and think it's some really difficult or, you know, esoteric practice. But mm -hmm. it really comes down to the mindfulness meditation comes down to sitting, mm -hmm. being still, connecting with the breath and starting a two minute practice can be a place to start mm -hmm. and set your timer increase to five minutes and just sitting and being in silence and that steadiness of the, the breath 
is really also how you get to know yourself because mm-hmm. you get to watch your thoughts. Well, I'm going to take that as a call to action for our listeners is, you know, implementing the importance of implementing mindful meditation and starting with one minute, two minutes. And I mean, Lord knows where that's going to lead because I've had a a lot of people, I've spoken to a lot of people who have started with one minute and that's turned into 30 um, over a year or two. But really just being non-judgmental and getting out of that all or nothing black and white mindset and just kind of like living in the gray and noticing that. Yeah, stopping for two minutes and taking some deep breaths is, can be its own meditation anytime throughout the day to give you a little reset to get back into that relaxation response. Because that's really when the body will, when you get into the relaxation response, nitric oxide is released from the blood and that triggers the activation of our anti-inflammatory response, our antiviral, internal pharmacology, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I know that we could talk all day about <laughs> this because you and I are both so passionate about it. Um, tell our viewers where they can find you, Emily. Sure. So I have a website. It's emilypolonis.com. And I have a teachable platform, which is emilypolonis.teachable, I believe. <laughs> and I have a number of free offerings on that teachable platform and i have a short guided meditation course on there too called meditation magic so that there's a i'm building my kind of catalog of curriculum there and i'm on instagram emily and polonis wonderful well i hope people will reach out to you there um, and know people will have additional questions so thanks so much for coming and being with us today oh thank you for having me All right, guys, that ends our episode for today, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye for now. Heads Up Guidance Services, or HUGS, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to removing all barriers to quality professional counseling services. At HUGS, all motivated individuals, couples, and families can access the support they need and deserve in an outpatient setting. They recruit dedicated, compassionate, and socially conscious professionals who volunteer their time and specialized skill pro bono. HUGS doesn't work with third-party payers, insurance companies, or government dollars. Rather, they operate entirely with the support of people just like you. To help support HUGS, visit www.headsupsavannah.org. Thank you for dropping in. Snaps to you because you have made a direct impact by listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned every week for a new episode of Direct Impact with Andrea Epting.